0: Hey, this is Dave Chris. I'm the pastor of We're A One based out of Gateway Assembly, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We pray that this equips you and encourages you in your faith to see Jesus more clearly in your life. Let's hit it. I don't know if you got some praise in you. I don't know if you got any praise in you tonight, but I just want to thank Jesus for 2020. I want to thank Him for how good He's been. I want to thank him that he never left us. Come on, I want you to lift your hands. I want you to shout unto God. I don't want you to give him some praise. God, you never failed us. You never left us. You never forsake us. You walked with us through the fire. And God, I thank you for 20, 20. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for what you've done. God, you've been so good, and we can't stop. And we can't just keep going without stopping for a second to tell you how good you've been. You've been such a good God and you're worthy of our praise. We are not here to play games. We are not here to put our time in. We are here to worship a living God. And I thank you that you've always been seated on the throne and even show us at times in scriptures. You stand up just to make sure that we see you and we see like you. And you stand up and you acknowledge us. And so I thank you that God you never left us alone, but you acknowledge that you are with us in the fight. You're with us in the journey. You're with us in the struggle. And God, there's a lot of things that people can say about 2020, but what I have to say tonight is good news, the good news of Jesus Christ, that you have always been with us, you will always be with us, so we give you all the praise, come on in Jesus' awesome name, everybody says amen, amen, come on, are you alive tonight, are you ready for the word of God, I'm ready, you can grab your seat tonight, I'm so ready for what God's going to do, I mean that was a quick look back at 2020, but do you all mind if I go back down on memory lane a little bit more, I'd like to go a little farther back because uh, this is our first X night. We are celebrating 10 years of what God's done in We Are One. I'm just wondering here how many of y'all you've been a part of this family? You've been a part of We Are One for like a year or less, somewhere in there. Some of you in the room. Okay, I see you. How about like two years? Some of you? Two years? Three years? Okay, more? Four? Five? Well, there's some more right there. Six? Seven? Okay. Eight? Okay, wow, I'm like going back. Nine? How many How many of you have been a part of for all 10 years? Just wondering, okay, there's a bunch of you. Wow, that's all. Can we have a hand for our family? Our family online, why don't you put in the chat, how long you have been a part of the family? And uh, I know some people can't be here because they're sick and some people all around the world are joining us, but I thought we'd kind of go back down a memory lane, look at the journey a little bit, the last 10 years. And, uh, a lot of you weren't there for some of it, so you never even knew like what it was like or this is all you know, but man, God has done a lot in 10 years, let me tell you. Here's some of the vision. Here's some of what God did. For me, it all started in 2011. I had read the scripture a million times, but when I read it this time, John 17, 11, God just stuck it right in front of me so far I couldn't get past it. And Jesus is praying this prayer. He says, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. And I'm coming to you, Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one, say it with me, as we are one. That's where it all started right there. 2011, the vision was we are one. And I remember we went through that whole summer and we didn't have a name. Uh, I kind of kept it like low key because the name of the youth ministry was something different from my youth pastor. And we just called ourselves nothing for an entire summer. And I remember in that September, after we had started in June, finally in September, I had released that the name of the ministry was going to be We Are One. I remember that summer, uh, with no name, we were still doing so much ministry, doing summer games where we'd do all these crazy, uh, I don't know, like eat dumb crap and stuff that we still do. But it was like to another intensity. It's crazy today. You can't get people to do some of the things that we used to do back in the day. People just won't do it anymore. It was some crazy stuff. But uh, we, we had to build a leadership team. Uh, really from scratch, train everybody up and get us going. We didn't have a clue what we were doing. And uh, I remember we did this, uh, this Christmas party. We called it Christmas in the Hood. Everybody showed up dressed like gangsters. It was a good time. Um, and uh, and uh, if you look back at some of these pictures, it's crazy. Hey, look at me for one second. Let me tell you this. I know you're looking at all these pictures. You're going to see pictures of people that were like once friends, and now they're married. You want know me to tell you what, what happens when you stay in church and you stay faithful and you honor God? Come on, you can find a good spouse, I'm telling you right there, and you're going to see some stuff. I remember 2012, um, the vision God gave me was new. He just said, I- I- I'm going I'm to do something new. Not a new thing. It's, it's crazy. I'm going to talk about that in a second. But he said, I'm going to do something new in the hearts of We Are One. We were so fresh with all. Everything was so new to us, but we felt like God wanted to do something new in our hearts. I led my first youth retreat at the time, and the vision was new. Didn't have a clue what I was doing. You know, we're making everything up as we go. At the time, too, in, th- in 2012, we're building this campus that we're in right now. Now, our space, as we know, is all the way down the hall, and we're just occupying this space uh, for right now with COVID and all that stuff. But I remember as we were building that space, we took a bus from our old facility all the way there, and it was still all dirt. And we put all these prayers in this like jar, and we buried it in the ground. Then they poured the cement. We came a different day, and there's prayers written all over the cement of the floor in our room, and then we carpeted it. So I want to one day, we need new carpet anyways. It's super ugly in there, and y'all have dumped so much coffee on it. I want to pull it up, and I want to see all those prayers, man, because I know like some of those prayers I can only imagine have come to pass. 2013, uh, we said that we are... Who he says we are. It was a year of claiming our identity and who we are in Christ. And it wasn't just I am who He says I am, but this is before any of these kind of statements were popular. God spoke this in a song. Uh, you've heard of Bright Souls Cafe, like our cafe, that's after our song Bright Souls. And that was a statement, we are who He says we are that we claim together that we are going to be the church, we're going to be who God's called. We uh, launched Circles. That was the first time we had implemented these things called Circles that you know now. We wrote a song called Circles, started this thing called Circles. That was the first time we had ever done that in 2013. And what's crazy now, if you look at our summer, in the summer we have over 40 We Are One interns a part of our ministry. Well, 2013 was the start of it. We had Technically five, there was four student interns and Pastor Tyler. Pastor Tyler was my youth intern. He was in college at the time. And me and him together, we launched this internship with four students. 2014, it was the launch. That's what we called it. We felt like God was kind of launching some new things. One of the things we really focused on and stuff that you guys do now all the time. If you don't know about it, we have our serve teams, whether it's our stage team or worship team or uh, our welcome team with their connecting with people, our, our VIP team. Very important person, if you didn't know what VIP means, uh hat tip to a joke, sorry. Yeah, you all know online. Um, so I didn't know what that was, my bad. So all those teams are called our serve teams, we didn't really have those in place before 2014. We really started organizing all these teams and and basically telling you guys, listen, this is your ministry. You own it, you run it. We want this to be a night that you when you invite people to it, that you have a stake and an ownership in it. So we wrote this song. Called "War Going Public," maybe some of you have heard it, and that was a year. Is anybody you were, you were here for "War Going Public" when we first introduced the song? I'm just wondering. Okay, a number of you, and we did this thing where we'd put our hands like this with the cross, and at a certain point in the song, we'd all hold the cross up. It was like this super dramatic moment, you know. Like we'd all do it together, and uh, we were really proclaiming it was the publicity of Jesus. We were saying, you know, we want to stand behind the cross and we want Jesus known. We want to go public with who Jesus is. I should, uh, I guess I should mention this, 2014, the launch, I got married that year, so I guess that was, uh, that was, like, sort of important in my life. I got married, Marky Bark, one day for you two, my brother, years from now, but I got married that year, 2014. 2015, the vision was wild, and, uh, and I have to be reminded at times of this. Some of my leaders will be like, dude, I remember that when you came up with wild? I was like, yeah, what does that mean? And they're like, dude, willing, intentional, loving, devoted. That's what it means to live a wild life. I was like, wow, that's good. That's on, some people listen to me when I'm preaching. So we came up with this vision, said that we're going to live willing and intentionally loving and devoted for Jesus. We introduced that song, Wild, which, you know, now we talked about like our Darling podcast is like Darling and Riseman and these ministries we launched in 2015. We we did our first mission trip. We went to L.A. for the first time, L.A. Dream Center. My wife led the trip, and uh, we did missions for the first time. That year was so monumental for me too. We baptized so many people that year. I remember specifically one of our family members who's gone home to be G- with Jesus, Ethan Barkley. I remember when we baptized him that year. It was just it was that moment when have you ever seen one of those pictures when, when somebody comes out of the water when they're baptized and they just lift both their arms up and the water's like still dripping off them and stuff. I got one of those moments with my bro, Ethan, and so I, I was so honored to be able to baptize him in 2015. 2016, we choose to go. I think this was like, you know, like today, we're like, let's go, right? This was like before that was popular, we, we chose to go too, okay? And so we're like, we choose to go. Let's go. We want to do more outreach. We want to do more missions. Um, my wife led a trip to Nicaragua that year. What's crazy about this, this is what's nuts, that's 2016, we go do this missions trip in Nicaragua, flash to 2020, the same group that we met when we were down there in 2016, they are now our church, we planted, if you didn't know this, we planted a church in Nicaragua, Gateway Nicaragua, right from here, those same people became our church four years later from that missions trip in 2016, that's like, that's a God story right there, and so we said we choose to go, I remember we performed our first full length, Uh, like, live production drama. And uh, it was written right from here, and they did all these practices, and it was, like, this incredible drama, and people were getting saved, and it was a ton of fun. And uh, I I remember that in 2016. 2017, we said, this is our house, all right? We said, this is our house. Some people are like, "What, what do you mean, that's God's house? But hey, listen, if God is my father, that means it's my house, too. When you invite people over to your house... It ain't your house, it's your parents' house, okay? So this is my father's house, that means it's my house too. So we said in 2017, this is our house. We were working on our, on our house, we were working on our facility, getting our merch and our loft and all these things going. I remember we sent a team to Tanzania in 2017, Tanzania, Africa, and they did a lot of ministry. And, incredible, we started this thing called Make Them Free, maybe you've heard of it, where we raise money and we do city projects and global endeavors and we bless people all over the world. You're going to hear more about that in about a month's time, probably like three weeks. We're going to drop it on you, what God is doing and what we're about to do with Make Him Free. That all started in 2017. 2018, the vision was seven, simply because it was our seventh year as a ministry. And uh, the number seven in the Bible, it means completion. it, It means perfection. And so we released our first album. The title of it was seven in that year. And I remember we threw it about killed us, like our, our whole team put it on. We threw seven weeks straight of birthday parties for seven weeks straight to celebrate our seventh year. I'll never do that again. That about killed me. But it was a good time. We did this thing called Cake Rave, where we covered all the walls in plastic, showed up with cakes, and, and threw it at each other while Pastor Luke DJed. And what else did we do, PT? We did, we threw, a, we did birthday party. We did slip, slip inside? No, that's some, another year. Oh, we did uh, the fight or die powder, I think. We threw like color powder at each other. And it was a good time. Seven uh, birthday parties. That was a little much. But we did it. 2019, uh, we, uh, we came off of that. We go, we need a new thing. We got to mix it up here. So we need a new thing. The, the number eight in the Bible means new beginnings. So we said we feel like God is doing a new thing. And uh, 2019 was a really cool year. You heard today, earlier, when they were giving some of the announcements, they are talking about trifectas. Well, we didn't have that before 2019. So we launched the trifectas in 2019. We have a minister now with Pastor Tyler with the middle schoolers. And then me and my wife, we we meet with HSD, all the high schoolers. And then Pastor Stephen Janelle meet with uh, Progression, our young adults. And we launched that all together with our effectiveness in 2019. The other thing is we call them like encounters. That's when we go a little bit bigger off the chart a little more. And so we launched what? Conference collision, our summer camps, and then we're getting ready for this march for another one, these things called one nights. And I don't know about you, but I'm just ready for like whatever God wants to bring this year. I just feel like I've been waiting for an entire year to get there. And it's almost like, you know, like those little like toy cars, like my son has one where you wind it backwards, then it go. I feel like God's just been kind of winding me up, getting me ready for the launch that he's going to do this year. And so I'm excited for conference in May, one night's Collision, our summer camp, that all happened when God did a new thing. And, man, and then last year, 2020, talk about God giving us such a word that we'd have 2020 to see Jesus and see like him. If there was ever a year that we had to keep our eyes focused on Jesus, I think it was last year. Um, it was so easy to get your eyes on what media was showing, get your eyes on what social media was showing, uh, the news, whatever it is. And what a year to fix our eyes on Jesus. I, I think if we had never done that, We would have never been able to do stuff like We Are One Online, like we did in 2020. We would have never reached all of our global fam that's with us right now if we had never had our eyes on Jesus to really make sure that we were hanging tight for what he had. And so I'm really excited for what he's going to do now in 2021, because after we've done We Are One Online and we had the global fam and we had the 2020 experience and all these things, I really think what's marked me now going into 2021, especially, is how we can minister to people in ways that I probably would have never thought to minister to them. I probably would have just done what I had known versus God taught us some new things in 2020 to equip us to get ready for 2021. So here we are, 2021X. We're here. This is our first night. And as you can see, you got to insert the photo. We don't got any yet. You know, tonight our photography team have been taking pictures all over. Come tomorrow at some point, pictures are going to pop up. Of people like, whatever, hanging out. And... What an amazing opportunity we have now in 2021 to take some pictures, to make some memories, to worship Jesus like he's alive and he walked in the room, to reach out to broken people, to live our purpose. I think 2021 has given us a fresh start and this beautiful opportunity to be the people that God has called us to be. And I think I'm not going to preach on it real long tonight. God's given me something different, but I want to give you the word so you can pray into it. And I'm going to be preaching to it throughout the year. But God gave me a specific word for 2021. When, when we say, say X, right, 2021 is our, our 10th birthday coming up here in June. When we say, though, that there's this, this X, this X is kind of like thrown on you. I want you to imagine like if you had like uh, an X just like painted on you or something. What just happened with that? This is the word God gave me, that you are marked. And God, God spoke this word to me probably about a year ago at this point. And he told me that this is going to be a year like any other year because we're gonna be marked by what we walk through in 2020. We'll be marked by what we're about to walk through. More importantly, can I tell you, there's times in my life, I remember as a young boy to even now, that there were just moments where I heard a sermon, I was in his presence, I was listening to a song. I don't even, I couldn't tell you all of them, but I was marked for what God had for my life. Even as a young boy, I was marked as a young boy to be different, to be set apart, to be kept for God's glory and to be used for his purpose. And I just believe in 2021, if we learned anything in 2020, it was to keep our eyes on Jesus. I think in 2021, with those same fixed eyes, He's saying this year is a year you're gonna be marked. You're gonna be marked to be different in your purity. You're gonna be marked to be different in your calling. You're gonna be marked to be looking different when you're at that workplace or you're at school or even in your home. You're be marked in such a way that people are gonna recognize you and they're gonna see that something is different about you because you've been marked by God. And that's what I'm claiming for 2021—that this is the year that we are going to be marked. God gave me a scripture. Um, when I was thinking about this marking our 10th year and us being marked in our 10th year, I feel that this this scripture really applies to the journey we're stepping and it it almost feels like this gap. It doesn't feel like a clean step. It almost feels like this gap from 2020 into 2021. It almost feels like we got to leave behind some things. There's like a fresh journey we got to take. It's going to be a lot different. And I felt like this is the scripture he gave me a number of months ago, for this night in particular to start this year. Job 8, verse 7. I'm going to beat this scripture to death tonight, so get ready. Your beginnings will seem humble, so prosperous your future will be. Your beginnings will seem humble, so prosperous will your future be. I think about all that God's done in the last, like, almost 10 years, We're like nine and a half years. I think about the humble beginnings. If you weren't here 10 years ago, then you don't know what I'm talking about. But I think about the humble beginnings. I think alone, like the, the, the room that we used to meet in, if you jumped in the room to worship God, you'd hit your head on the ceiling, first of all. It was this small, dingy little basement space they put, it, put us in. We didn't have a leadership team developed. We didn't have a budget earning money. We didn't. I mean, it, We just had what we had, and we worshiped God like it was the best thing we ever had. But I look at how much God's blessed us. I look at this scripture, how he's prospered us in our future. And I look back at all he, at all he's done, and I see truly how amazing it is. Now, when you hear me use this word, prosper, I want to make sure nobody's getting it twisted here. I'm not talking about prosperity like you'd hear it in the world. I'm not talking about worldly thinking where we're saying we're going to become rich or famous or have a lot of stuff or be super known. That's not what I'm talking about. Prosperity, it is the blessing and the favor of God on your life. I look over Ten years, has God given us more money to, to operate and reach more people? Yes. We have cameras that can broadcast the gospel right now. We're able to have instruments and a facility. Yes, he's blessed us, if you were to call it financially in ways. But that's not what I'm talking about. When he says in the scripture here that your beginning is humble, but your, your future is be prosperous, I'm talking about there is a certain blessing and favor on your life to do exactly what God's called you to do. This scripture here in Job 8-7, it's speaking about a man named Job. And it's a man in the Bible that went through a lot of stuff. I I guess the best way I could say it is the first half of his life was like 2020 on crack. That is like the best way. Like strung out 2020 just high is like the best way I could describe Job's life. I don't care what people went through this year. It don't get nearly as bad as what Job walked through in the first half of his life. I've looked at the, the uh, there's times, I don't know if you ever had this, where I look at like my life and my hardship and what I'm going through and then I'll turn to somebody else in the church and I'll see what they're going through. I go, I'm fine. Then somebody else then can turn to somebody else. This is us right now turning to Job to say, you know what? Like whatever we've walked through, it can't be nearly as bad as I know what Job walked through. Let me break it down for you. I'm going to read the verses because I want you to just get it clearly. Job 1, 13 to 22. One day, when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the older brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said the oxen were plowing and the donkeys were grazing nearby and the Sabaeans attacked and made off with them. They put the servants to the sore and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said the fire of God fell from the heavens and burned up the sheep and the servants and I'm the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and swept down on your camels and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, yet another messenger came and said, Your sons and daughters were feasting, drinking wine at the older brother's house, when suddenly a mighty whim swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on them, and they were dead, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. Catch this. At this, Job got up, tore his robe, and shaved his head. He fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. And all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. I'm I'm on top of this, he got like sores, boils all over his body. Now he's in excruciating pain, not only mentally, emotionally, but now physically. And even worse than that, can I tell you, I'm married, so if I could even imagine what this would be like worse than that, God killed all his family but left his wife. This nagging, nagging, frustratingly nagging wife. And she nagged him day after day after day. You ever had anybody in your, in your life, your mom, grandma, anybody that just nags you? Like, brush your teeth. Well, you should brush your teeth anyway, so that's not nagging. Okay. They're telling you, like, do this, do that. Why? You? This wife is just nagging and nagging. She says, curse God and die. Curse God and die. And she's nagging him over and over and over again. To me, that's the worst of it all. To constantly, day after day, just deal with that mental frustration every day from his wife. Why do I read all this to you? Why do I talk about all this? Because I want to help you realize that whatever you've walked through, whatever 2020 looked like for you, whatever you've journeyed through, Job understands. God understands. No matter what people have gone through, I don't care who it was in 2020, the Bible has already written about it. God understands. He knows what hardship is like. He knows what pain is like. He gets you. See, Job understands loss. I think every single one of us, if we were honest, we feel like we lost something in 2020. You lost something. Some of you got really sick. You lost some of your health for a little bit. You got COVID, or maybe you know somebody that got it, or whatever happened. Maybe you lost a family member. We saw so much death in 2020, even right here in this house. We saw different people lose family member after family member. I can't imagine the hardship of that loss. Some of you feel like your loss was with school. It was just like, man, I feel like I lost the end of school, my school days with my friends. I lost graduating. I lost being able to play sports like I wanted to. I lost, like, the college experience that I was looking forward to and I was supposed to have. Some of your families lost their jobs. Maybe some of you feel like you lost friendships or people came against you and there was like all this like hardship that came against you, even in your relationships with people and you lost. Job understands that too. Like he understands loss. That scripture I just read in Job 8, 7, where it says, your beginnings will seem humble, so prosperous will your future be. This was spoken to him by his best friend. Oh, that's nice. What a nice best friend, right? Like, what a hopeful best friend that says, hey, Job, I know you're going through a lot of hard times right now, but let me tell you, in your future, it's going to be good. That ain't what this scripture means. B-T-W. You know what they mean? What it means? He was being sarcastic. One of Job's best friends, Bildad, he was being, what a name, Bildad. He was being sarcastic. He was being a punk. He was being like, yeah, yeah, Job, you know how you're going through all this? He's saying, if you are actually righteous, if you actually did everything the right way, if you were actually the person you were supposed to be, well, then maybe all this wouldn't have happened to you, and maybe one day it could all come together. See, what he's doing is he's trying to tell Job that because all this happened to you, that must mean you're a big screw-up. You ever felt like stuff just happened in your life, and you felt like, what, what, what did I do? I know somehow I brought this on my life. It's kind of like the, the young kids that their parents get divorced, and they feel like it's all their fault. That's the situation. Job's feeling all this pressure, like all this stuff has happened to me, and now Bildad is thrusting all of this sassy accusation on him, telling him, well, it's because he did a bunch of stuff wrong, that's why he's getting punishment. Can I just explain to you the character of God for a second? I don't care what you've done in this life. You will not be punished for what you've done in this life. There are repercussions and consequences for your action, i.e., let's just say, If you have sex with somebody out of wedlock, you could have a baby. And if you weren't planning on being married to that person, you don't love that person. God didn't call you to be married to that person. You have a baby. You now got to deal with a baby and you ain't married to that person. That's a consequence, not a punishment. God does not punish people simply because they've screwed up. That's why Jesus went to the cross for us. God punishes us after we've died and we face judgment, it's called the judgment seat, the throne room of God, where we're going to stand there and he's going to look at us for every single thing in our life that we've lived for. And the only chance you got, the only hope you got is at the moment where the judge, God, is judging you for the life you've lived, you better pray to God that you got the best attorney on planet Earth named Jesus Christ that steps in. He goes, listen, but, but, but Father, remember that time when he gave his life to me? Yeah, that's all gone. You can't judge him for any of that. I've taken care of all of that. See, you don't pay your, your attorney. Your attorney paid for you in blood. And it's at that moment when you're judged, yes, there is punishment. It's called hell. It's very real. For the life that we live without Jesus covering us with his blood, we are judged, and the punishment is hell, because the Father sent his one and only Son to make sure you didn't have to go there. So if you willingly don't choose Jesus, you willingly chose hell. Jesus says, if you deny me before man, meaning while you walk the earth, if you deny me, then when we get up in heaven, when you're being judged, I'm going to deny you before my Father. See, Bildad's trying to put on Job here, well, you must have done something really bad. You must have sinned. You must have lived an unrighteous life, and that's why all this bad stuff is happening to you. So the reason that Bildad said this is because it was not to support Job. It was not to try to help Job. He said it against him. In Job 8, 7, he's saying this against him. He's saying, I don't really believe in your future. I don't really believe you'll be blessed or favorable or prosper." You've screwed up. He was saying it as a slap in the face to him. Any of you all have felt that before? You just feel like maybe friends, coworkers, whoever it is, they're not believing in you. They're not actually believing that you could come out of something, that you could kick a, a habit, that you could break an addiction, that you're actually going to make it. Maybe people aren't believing in, in your marriage or that they aren't believing in your, your talents. So they're not believing in you. See, Job has experienced this, except in the midst of this, he's lost everything. He has nothing. And now his friend has come against him. You know what I love about scripture? I felt like God told me to do this. I'm going to do it a little bit later. But I love that scripture, when people can even try to twist it for their own gain and use it against you, God uses it prophetically for your good. I love that even though Bildad tried to use what he said against Job, God actually used that scripture to prophetically mark Job's life for the future. So Job 1, we read he lost everything. Job 8, we're just reading his friends being all sassy. Let's go all the way to Job 42. I'm going to show you just a couple words here, a few little line. Job 42, verse 12. It says, that after all that, was in the second half of his life, the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. So here, Bildad's trying to say all this against him, but the Lord actually used what he said prophetically to bless Job with a double portion of everything he had. He had double the money he had before he lost it all. He had double the livestock and crops and homes. Check it, double the kids. I don't know if I want that blessing or not. God blessed him double. He's saying, everything that you've lost, I'm going to give you double. I love in the New Living Translation, NLT. It says that the Lord blessed the second half of Job's life. And I think this is important for us because you need to recognize we're in the second half of what God is doing here at We Are One. That we ain't starting off. This ain't the beginning anymore. We've been at this for 10 years. So we're in the second half of what he's about to do in this ministry. We're in the second half of receiving blessing. We've been at it for 10 years. And can I tell you, this is still just the start of what God wants to do in this ministry. I'm proclaiming that tonight. You know whether you look at our lives in 2020 or you look at Job's life I believe that humble beginnings make for blessed endings I think that humble starts humble starting gates coming out from a broken from a hard place I think that humble beginnings make for blessed endings Don't you love a good underdog story Don't you love one of those stories that Disney puts out or something? It's like, I just watched this movie. I think it's called Safety on Disney+. And it's this whole story without giving it away about these brothers and the hardship and their mom. And I'm just like, oh, I love it. And I love a good story like that. I love a good humble beginning story because, man, when you get to the end and they got that blessed ending, it matters, doesn't it? It actually counts for something. They weren't just fed life on a silver spoon. It's like they went through some hard stuff. I love a story like that. You know what I love about humble beginnings is humble beginnings give us the opportunity to learn what it means to be humble. It gives us the opportunity to learn humility. So that God, when God brings us into a blessed ending, what do we step into blessing with? Humility. So that when we remember when we used to have nothing, when we used to be broken, when things used to be hard, when we struggled, now that we're blessed. We can still remember what that used to be like and be humble enough with grace to walk in the blessing. The problem is many young people especially, you want blessing, and what I mean by that is you equate that to what social media tells you, what it means to be blessed, to have this high-paying job, lots of money, hurry up and find your your husband or wife, to like have this awesome, that's not what blessing means. God wants to bless you right now, but there's certain blessings he's waiting to give you later that you be patient on. And part of patience is Humility. It's being humble enough to say, God's not ready to give me that yet. And so I'm gonna wait patiently. I'm gonna be humble enough to believe that he does have more blessing. He does have great things for my life, but I'd be faithful right now with what I have. You know, like any rags to riches story, right? You hear about this like, this young kid or whatever, they ran the streets or they grew up in the projects whatever it is and they got found out they're some like star, professional athlete now or they're like some famous actor or, you know, they started off way down here and now they own like this business that's making billions of dollars. What is the issue with most of the stories that you hear that sound like that? The issue is, although they came from humble beginnings, they never learned what it actually meant to be humble. So as they grew up and by saying, you're the GOAT. You're the greatest of all time. You're the best. They go, dang straight I am. I know I'm the best. So they ever, never actually learned what it meant to be humble from their beginning. So when they actually reached their blessed ending, they didn't bring the most important thing with them. You know what is probably the most unattractive quality of any person you're going to meet? Somebody who's not humble. Somebody who thinks they're all that. Somebody that thinks they look that good. That's like so unattractive. That, and honestly, when I hear a young lady cuss, especially when I've heard young ladies drop the F word, I'm just like, Ugh, I'm going to clean your mouth out with soap. Like, I'm not even your dad. Can you imagine, like, you're walking through a grocery store or something like you, grab some soap and get in there and somebody just cusses. You go, throwing in someone's mouth. That'd be hilarious. We should do that. That'd be like a funny YouTube video. We'll do it. Uh, it's unattractive when, when, when somebody is not living humbly in the life that God has given them. So why did God allow Job to go through so much hardship? Let's talk about that. Why in the first half of his life did he allow him to go through so much hardship? It wasn't because of his sin. It wasn't because of what Bildad said where he had messed up and everything. So why did God allow him to go through it? See, God wanted to test him so he could bless him. God wanted him to to take Job through something, so he could really pour out his blessings on them. Don't be mistaken when you see people with a lot of followers, a lot of money, a lot of popularity. Don't think that's God's blessing on their life because it's not. You could utterly have nothing and still have God's blessing. And it will be known in your life, believe me. People will see something different about you. You are marked differently. So don't think just, if you have a lot of stuff or you have that car you've always wanted or you, you get this degree and you get this job, that, oh, it's God's blessing. Can God work that way? Yes, I do believe God can work that way. He can bless us in those ways. But that's not the measure of His blessing. That's not the measure of His favor. Why did God allow Job to go through everything that He went through? Because He wanted to make sure that He would test Him before He blessed Him. Truly would bless Him. Now, if you look at Job's life and you look at what He walked through, you would know that Job did not have a humble beginning story when He started, Job was rich. Like when we start Job's story, we read it. He's rich already. He didn't come from like the ghetto or something like that, and then he became like known and made a bunch of money. He was rich. He had popularity. He had influence. He was like famous in that area. He had a ton of stuff. He was loved by everybody. He didn't have a humble beginning story. So what God allowed to happen in Job's life, even as the devil, the Bible says, goes before God and speaks to him, God God says, why not my servant Job? He says there's nobody righteous like Job. Let's test him. See, God sometimes will open things up and he will open the hedge the Bible says to allow things to happen in our life, not to hurt us, not to go against us. But believe it or not, I know this is hard to understand at your age, but it is for your good, I promise you. I was texting Austin Guerrero the other day. If you don't know the Guerrero family in our church, they've lost seven, they lost seven family members in 3 weeks. It's the closest Job story I can even equate to. And, and if Andy Guerrero's on here right now, I am praying, I am praying, I'm praying for you, and I believe in you. I want you to know how much I believe in you. I was texting Austin, how are you doing? And he says, I'm hitting that point as I'm entering 2021. I don't want to carry some of this with me because I know truly God has done this for my good. I know God is teaching me through this. I know God's making me better. That blessed me. Because in our humanity, is that not the last thing that we want to claim when hardship comes against us? Isn't the first thing that we want to do is to blame God for it? Is to turn our back on people that love us? To not walk the way Jesus would? And I look at this story with Job, and God brought him from this place where he had everything, and he took it all away. And he brought him to where he had nothing. Why? Because at the point of that nothing that humble beginning. One translation says small beginning, meaning his family's wiped out, all of his possessions are gone, everything it's gone. At that point, it's the testing ground to really see who you are. Will you still bless the Lord at that point? Will you still honor God at that point? Will you still be humble at that point? Because think about it, Job believed in God. He worshiped God. So, man, as long as good stuff happened, I'd try to stay humble, too, to keep all my stuff. But what about when everything's ripped away? What does your character actually look like? What do you actually show through when everything's ripped away? God wanted to test and to see if he'd walk righteous, if he'd be faithful, and if he'd be humble. What was Job's response to all this? Does he curse God? Does he throw his fists in the air and yell at him? Does he give up on life and say, well, I'm never going to try ever again. Life is too hard. 2020 or whatever it was was too hard. What does he do? I don't know. Let's go to scripture. I love this. Look what God showed me today. Job 1, follow the verses with me here. 20, 21. You following me here? This is good stuff right here. God lines that up. At this, Job got up and tore his robe. He's in agony. He's in pain. He shaved his head. That's something they did in that culture. I wouldn't do that. I want to keep my hair, but when they were in such agony and pain, they would literally tear their clothes, they put ash on themselves, and they'd shave their head. Then he fell to the ground. Look at his response. This is his first response after he lost everything in a moment. He fell to the ground in worship. He said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. Look at this reality check here. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. But what is his response? May the name of the Lord be praised. Why did Job respond that way? Because he was marked. He was marked for something better, something bigger, something special. He had a purpose, and he knew that God within him had something. Despite what he's walking through, that he knew that God still had something for him, even though he's lost everything. Have you asked this question? Why did we go through 2020? Like, why did all that stuff, have you asked that question? Like, why did all this stuff happen? Why was there all these race uh, fights and riots and social media posts and, and uh, COVID-19 and all the presidency and the political thing? Like, why did we walk through such a crazy year? As I searched the scriptures and as I prayed about this, The last two days, I feel like what God spoke to me is that he allowed us to walk through 2020 so that we would walk into 2021 humble. So that we would humbly walk into this new year so that when we walk humbly, we can be blessed. I believe that there's something coming that God's been speaking that he wants to do, but he's looking for people that would walk humbly into this next year. He's looking for churches. He's looking for the people of God. He's looking for people far from God that might even be watching right now, that you will catch this message and you will cling to Jesus and you will step into this new year with Jesus. He's not wanting us to be marked by our pain, although we've experienced it. Marked by tragedy, although we've experienced it. Confusion or fear or frustration. He's wanting us to be marked by his name alone, be marked for his glory alone. That when we step into this year humbly, we can say, I have been marked by God. His hand is upon me. He is not far from me. He's walking into this new year with me, just like he walked into 2020 with me. And I believe, I believe this, I believe this, and I speak this over this room today. I speak this over your heart. I believe that blessing and favor is coming in 2021. And when I say that, I'm not talking about like this financial thing and all of your life's gonna be perfect. I'm saying we are gonna be more blessed we're going to have more favor. God is going to use us in bigger ways than he ever has before, walking into this next year because of what we just walked from. I truly believe that as we walk humbly into this new year, we will be blessed because of it. I love, I love how the NASB, New American Standard Bible, says that verse, been pounding to the ground, Job 8-7. It says, though your beginning was insignificant, yet your end will increase Check the wording of this verse. I love the wording. Insignificance and increase. Many of you felt like your 2020 was insignificant. You feel like what's happening in your family and your life is insignificant. You feel like your job or calling or whatever on your life is insignificant. You feel directionless. You feel like you you are insignificant. But I just need you to recognize that it might look insignificant to you. But to God, it looks like an opportunity for increase. It might look like something in front of you is completely insignificant. God can't use it. It's a humble beginning. It's not a big deal. But God loves humble beginnings. God loves to take insignificant people, insignificant things, and bring increase to them. And I can't explain it in every way because if I'm being honest with you, I have no idea exactly what God wants to do in 2021. Because if I said that, I swear, he'd flip it on purpose like 2020 just to prove me wrong to think I'm getting ahead. I don't know what he wants to do, but I feel something in my spirit that although I don't know, I believe that increase is coming. It's something that God spoke to me so strong, and I want to speak that over you. Three words. Increase is coming in 2021. And I don't know exactly what that's going to look like, but I want to prepare for the increase. Because when he pours out, I want to make sure I got a bucket ready to receive. When he pours out, I want to make sure i got something to catch it. When God shows up, I want to make sure that I'm ready to take part in what he wants to do. And God said to me, increase is coming. Somebody say, increase is coming. Come on, wake up with me. Let's go. Increase is coming. He spoke that word, and when you walk out of here, you are me saying that word. I don't care if it's out loud in your head. I don't care if you're like a crazy person walking to school tomorrow. Increase is coming. Increase. I don't care what you have to do, but I want you to walk out of here receiving that word. Increase is coming. I've had a number of people, I've had conversations with a number of people, and they said, man, I just feel like God has more for my life. I feel like there's this sense of increase that he wants to do in 2021. I don't know exactly even what it is. I had one of my leaders, they texted me this, uh, this uh, prayer. And in the prayer, they were encouraging me, and they were texting me, and they just, they sent me this scripture, and I cannot help but hang on to this scripture. I feel like if I try to shake it off, it's like I'm glued to a bucking bronco, and I can't shake it if I want to. Like, this thing is gonna be with me. Isaiah 52. 54 verse 2, increase is coming. So enlarge your tent and add extensions to your dwelling. Hold nothing back. Make the tent ropes longer and the pegs stronger. I want you to catch this. Increase is coming. So I want you to get ready for it. You better enlarge your tent and you better add some extensions to your dwelling and hold nothing back because there's something that's coming in 2021 and you want to be prepared for it. Increase is coming. You know, uh, when we talk about seeing the increase of God that he has for us, really what we're talking about is we have to know how to build the tent. That's what we're talking about here. The first thing I tell you, three things really that God spoke to me when you talk about knowing how to build the tent is that you have to get rid of the weak pegs and the short ropes. If you're taking notes, I want you to write down three things. Number one, get rid of the weak pegs and the short ropes. God spoke to me that and I said, Lord, what does that mean? He said, anything that is going to stop you from the increase, you've got to get rid of it. If it's a weak peg that can't hold it in the ground or if it's a short rope that can't be used, you got to get rid of it because it's not going to help you. Listen, some of you, I look on Instagram and I see some of the relationships that people get in. I think, what is going, what the heck is going on right now? Why are these people dating? They're not good for each other at all. They're not helping each other become more like Jesus at all. What is going on? Are you drugging each other to get each other to love each other? What's going on right now? Don't make any sense to me. It's a weak peg and a short rope. You ain't going to be enlarging your territory. You ain't going to be gaining an increase with God. You're hanging on to stuff that you were never supposed to have. Pastor's been preaching on Sundays about habits. It's about time that we break some habits because if you want to receive the increase, you're going to have to break some stuff in your life. You're going to have to get rid of some stuff. You're going to have to clean out maybe even your closet because some of you girls are trying to dress all bougie, show here, 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 whatever you can show off. And I talked to some young ladies the other day. I go, do girls, like, recognize what they're doing? They go, girls, no. Girls, know. No. And here we got young men walking down the halls in school, young men trying to actually be men of God, and they can't because girls showing off everything that the mama gave them. Come on, young ladies. If you're a woman of God, you got to get rid of some weak pegs and some short ropes because if you want to make it to heaven, you can't be playing games here on earth. Get rid of it. You don't need any ounce of impurity. You don't need anything that looks good on the outside but has no actual substance on the inside. Get rid of it. I don't care what that is. If that's the music, if that's the movies, if that's people you're following, if that's having social media at all, you've got to get rid of it because Jesus says, it's better that you gouge your eye, cut off your ear, cut off your hand, cut off your leg. He gives four examples. It's better that you do that and you enter into what he has next, the kingdom of God, heaven, without any of that stuff than have to take a hold of hell because you kept it all. Get rid of the short ropes and the weak pegs. The other thing that the Lord spoke to me is that we have to be available to build. I I look at like a lot of believers and they're like, you know what? Let's let's do this. Let's build the kingdom of God. Let's make that happen. And then they never actually even show up to serve to do any of it. They never give up their money. They never give up themselves. They never give up their resources, their time, whatever it is. And you're like, yeah, let's build the kingdom of God. It all sounds good here on a Wednesday, but you never actually show up to serve. You never actually put your hands in the plow to say, God, use me. I'm available. We just sing it. Here I am. You can have it all. I'm available. And we sing it in good worship moments, but we won't actually go serve and live out worship. A spiritual act of worship isn't lifting your hands to a song. It's living it out with your actions. And when when we're talking about being available to build, you know what we're saying? We're saying, I'm going to be available in such a way that I'll even be inconvenienced to share the gospel. God, I want to be so available that people stop me and they want to hear about Jesus because they see I'm marked. That I even have to go at times stop people and tell them about Jesus because I know I'm marked. I want to be available to build. The third thing I felt like I leave you with is that we just need to take the limits off. I love that verse where it says hold nothing back. We need to take the limits off. I think for some of us it, it looks one way in terms of something mentally that you're doing and putting limits and caps on your life. Other thing it's emotionally, but I think even like let's talk about practically. We need to make more space for people to come to know Jesus and join the family of God. The the reason that we're rebroadcasting on Tuesdays is because we want to take the limits off. We want to make more space for people to join the family. So we're gonna re, we're gonna broadcast this night, the coming Tuesday, every Tuesday, so that more people can enjoy. And you know, what I even thought is. I want to go back to our room because I think our room looks cooler and I like being over there and I like our space, but listen. If we take the limits off and we start telling people about Jesus and we start preparing for an increase and we start enlarging our tents and we start packing out this room, you can't pay me to go back to that room if we got souls filling this room. You could not pay me. So I'm saying take the limits off. This is a year that God is telling us take the limits. Off. How do I know that increase is coming? You know, Pastor Dave, would, would you just read some scripture, pull out three words, and give it to us? No. How do I know that increase is coming? How do I know the Holy Spirit's been speaking this? You've been watching them build this tent. Did you watch them at all? Did you watch the different pieces they had? They had this, and they grabbed the different pieces, and they took one of these poles and they ran it across the other pole. They put one pole here and then they ran the other pole this way. And if you're asking me, how do I know that increase is coming? I would tell you, if you look at the top of this, it's because we are marked and because God has something different for us. And because God's saying this year, 2020, I am marking you as something different. So when you build the tents, you're going to build them in a way because you are marked to do it. This is what you were made for. I've set you apart. I've assigned you. I've told you. You're not called to just show up on Wednesday. You're called to take what happens in this night and live it for another six days. And then when you come back the next Wednesday, you're going to bring some people with you because you've been living marked in front of people. When you live marked in front of people, you can't help but see other people marked. That's just how it works. If you live your life marked, you're going to see other people marked. That is just literally how it works. Increase is coming. Do you want to live marked? Do you want to live marked for Jesus? I don't want you to forget this. I literally, I cannot have you forget this sermon or what God is doing tonight. Get up on your feet. You will not forget this. I'm gonna make sure. I'm gonna make sure, I got a reminder. We're gonna make sure that we do not forget that we're marked. See y'all ready? Y'all have no idea what you're about to do right now. PT, get up here, you're gonna help me. Thanks boys. Okay, y'all ready? We're marked, are you ready? So we decided, we came up with a, with a handshake to help us remember that we're marked. You all know, like, like a secret handshake with your friends? So this is, how, this is how it works. Okay, PT you over there. So when you guys see each other, this is how you're going to remind each other that you're marked. First thing you're going to do is you're going to stop and you're going to notice a weird one homie. Okay, that's step one. Step two, you approach weird one homie. Okay. Step three is elbow. Step four is X. Okay, so it's just like this. You're walking up. Sub, bro, man? You, you marked, man. Yeah, like that. You feel that? Okay, I'm gonna show you. So this is like WAO how WAO how. Here's step one. Step one. Step one. So find a partner right now. Find a partner. Something you can do with. Step one. Okay. 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 Just relax. Here we go. Step one. Notice we're one homie. Okay. Notice them. Stop and notice them. Step two. Approach. Okay. Step three. You give him the elbow. Step four, you, get, you give it the X. So what it's, what's nice about it is it's like in the passing like this. So you come like this, and you see something like, oh, saw dog, like this. Like, give one of those. You ready? We'll show them, like, if they really feeling marked. Like, <laughs> we haven't practiced this. We ready? If you're really feeling marked, give one of these. Have one of those? Okay, practice it. Okay, step one, notice. Step two, approach. Step three, give the elbow. Okay, elbow. <laughs> I'm seeing some people that are like, okay. I didn't say give a bow. I said give an elbow. Okay. So right, here we go. Ready? Step three, give an elbow. Step four, give the X. So you do it. It's real casually. It's just like, it's just like, it's a quick little reminder. Of, hey, I'm marked. You're marked. We're marked. So it's just kind of, just kind of walking through, giving one of those like that. It's just super subtle like that. Okay. You feel that? You feel that? <laughs> Get tolerate <pressure> tolerant. <laughs> stay on your feet. Stay on your feet. I want to close this out here. You ever like as a, as a as kids, whatever your friends were, you had like a secret handshake or anything you see in the movies. Me and Sid have always wanted to create a secret handshake together. And she would like watch Mary-Kate and Ashley movies and stuff like that. And they'd have them whatever, whatever. Like, or like Parent Trap, whatever. There's that one where they like spin around and do like a million things. Okay? And uh, we, we actually haven't been able to create one yet. But I felt like we should have a handshake. But I just want to make it clear. The difference between our handshakes and these other secret handshakes is one thing. Ours is not made to be a secret. Ours is made to tell everybody that we're marked. Okay? It's not a secret handshake. It's made to remind you, and I'm going to use it. I mean, when I walk by, you better be ready for the elbow. because we Take it to the elbow or take it to the face. Either way, you get an elbow, okay? (laughs) This is made, though, to bring us in this realization that we are marked by God and other people can be marked if we walk marked. I'm going to read you this scripture, and I'm not going to read it to you. I'm going to prophesy it over you. God told me to to read this over you and prophesy this for 2021, that when we say this is our 10th year, when we say we are marked, when we proclaim that the increase is coming, this is what we're saying right here. This is in the message version of what we already read, but God told me specifically right now to read this. Isaiah 54, verses 2 to 4. Clear lots of ground for your tents. Make your tents large. Spread out. Think big. Use plenty of rope. Drive the tent pegs deep. Here we go. You're going to need lots of elbow room for your growing family, he said. You're going to take whole nations. You're going to resettle abandoned cities. Don't be afraid. You're not going to be embarrassed. Don't hold back. You're not going to come short. So, he, so here's what it looks like when you walk marked. See, we began the process in 2020. We just didn't realize it yet. Is when we're when we're spreading our tents, when we're making room. We are spreading our tents over the whole world, and we don't even recognize how big it is what God's doing. See, because when you walk marked, when you live marked, You get to see other people be marked as well. You realize that there are people online, our family online with us right now, that they've been marked by Jesus simply because we chose to live, walk, move, breathe, marked because of Jesus. Once you look at every X, because all year we're going to be adding Xs to this thing all year, because our tent is going to keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger all year. We got... We got X's here, we got X's here from Florida, Iowa, North Carolina, New Jersey, Wisconsin, uh, Pennsylvania, UAE, Nigeria, Africa, Ghana, Africa, uh, Sierra Leone, Africa, Croatia, Russia, Pakistan, Egypt, um, Uzbekistan, um, Bahrain. This is start in 2021, might I add. What will it look like if we live marked by the end of 2021? What might our tent look like if we say, I'm marked and I'm going to live like it? You know, uh, I don't know if you're ready to put some more X's on the map. I don't know if you're ready to live marked or not. But I'll tell you, there's a lot of people out there that they want Jesus and they don't know it. They need Jesus and they don't know it. And they're looking for you to say, you know, I am different, I am marked. The first word last year that god told me to speak for 2020 is to have faith to see the unseen can i tell you i said the increase is coming i didn't say it's here we have to have faith to see it come we have have to have faith to believe that it's on its way we have to live our actions out where when there is no rain in the land we pray until it rains we have to live our actions out where there's a world that looks like it hates each other that we're gonna love and break through hatred. When there's a world that looks like it's without peace, we're gonna have peace. And we're gonna be, the Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers, Jesus said. And we're gonna be like, for me, it's been like a big brother all the time. When I get a fight with one of my brothers, to be honest, I didn't really feel like it was my fault. But I apologize, I usually, many times now, it was when I was younger, now it's different, but I would apologize just to have peace. There's going to be actions that we got to make to have peace. We're going to let God fight for us. We're going to let God do what he does and let God wage the war that he needs to wage on our behalf. But we are going to step into a moment like 2021. And here's what I'm encouraging you to do to shake off whatever was hanging on to you in 2020 and step into this, past this chasm into 2021, and say, I'm marked. I know that God wants to use me for something, and I know the increase is coming. As you all, want you to bow your heads, close your eyes with me. As the Holy Spirit is just sweeping across this room as he, he's here, he loves you so much. He wants to meet with you. He wants to do something special in your life. It doesn't matter whether you uh, have grown up in church or this is all brand new or what it is. Some of you have like a hard exterior I just need you to know he's not going to break down your walls. He just, he's going to quietly knock on your heart. So you have to take down some of those walls. You have to be willing to let him in. You have to open the door and let him in. So I don't know what your journey has been, every single one of you. I don't know what you're thinking right now. I don't have, like, all of these magical powers that can, like, fix things. You have to be willing to say, Lord, I'm available tonight. Here I am. Have me. You have to be available to say, I want to step into this night tonight be marked by your spirit, be marked in your presence. And I promise you, if you'll do that January 6th, 2021, you will step here. You'll step out of this place just so different. You want to see the world marked for Jesus? Live marked for Jesus. So if you're here tonight, In this room, if you're here online with all of our family and you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus, you know that he's not marked you with the blood that he shed on the cross for your sins. He has not marked you with salvation because you have not let him yet. And tonight you want to let him mark your life. If that's you, why don't you just lift up your hand with me wherever you are. Thank you. Thank you over here. Thank you so much. Thank you, I see you. Thank you. Online to all of our family, would you just put in the chat... I need Jesus. I want to be marked. Thank you so much. I want to pray with those people, and then we're going to respond differently tonight here in a second. And we're going to respond here at the altar, or we're going to have an opportunity to really let God begin to do something in our life to say, I'm marked. But before we take that step right where you're at, I want you to be able to take a step if you lifted your hand or even if you didn't, but you want to claim Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and savior. Come on, take off like the cool guy routine and the, the look and thinking you gotta like have some sort of like thing put together in front of people and you have to be certain thing. Like take all that off for a second. Let God get to your heart tonight. Cause I promise you once he gets to your heart, Once you are marked, you won't want to be the person that you've been up to this moment. You won't even want to. It's not even a question. You want to be so different. He has something so special for you tonight. So if that's you and you want to receive Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, then I want you to pray this prayer with me together. Say, Jesus, I know I've been marked by the blood that you shed on the cross. You did it for me so that I could walk for you to give you glory, honor, and praise, to worship you with my life. I ask Jesus that as I walk marked by who you are, that you will allow me to receive the increase, to expand the tent, and to see others marked for your glory. Pray this prayer for me now. I feel like I want to have you say this. Is on your heart. I'm going I'm to tell you ahead of time because I don't want you to just repeat something you don't believe. I want you to pray that God's going to give you opportunities to lead people to Jesus this year. That's going to expand your tent. Okay? So repeat after me if that's your, your prayer. Say, Jesus, give me opportunities this year to see other people marked by the way I live my life. Give me opportunities to see the tent expanded, to receive the increase. Give me courage. Give me strength. Help me not to chicken out because I know that sharing you is hard for me at times. So help me, Lord, to get rid of weak pegs, small ropes, to take the limits off and to start building the tent for your glory. I pray this in Jesus' awesome name. I want everybody to just say with me amen if you believe it. Amen amen means let it be done. Amen means I'm with it. Amen means let's go. Amen.